Welcome to the Westminster Effects Soxology Podcast, where we explore popular practice songs and ideas in the light of Sola Scriptura and Toto Scriptura. I'm Cody Fields, President of Westminster Effects. I stuff for guitar. WestminsterEffects.com. You can join the discussion at the Westminster Effects Doxology Podcast Lounge on Facebook. Ah, crap. I meant to do the Knox giveaway. We'll just do it next week. Again, this is like the third week in a row that we've had to... Uh, <laughs> delay that i'm so professional <laughs> i'm such a professional business owner uh make sure you subscribe and comment and share the show on facebook and instagram give us a five-star review even if it's not honest even if you hate the show just go ahead and give us five stars uh join if you're, me if you're sick and tired of catfishing cody fields uh yes you know, trying trying to get your free pedal then yeah <laughs> in person I'm joined by hey everybody. It's Bradley Cox, pastor at Resurrection Church in Greer, South Carolina, and via the interwebs by hey everybody. John Ross, Westminster Effects artist, Augsburgian Christian, escape room enthusiast, wearing a T-shirt from uh, Lincoln's <laughs> escape room that I spent uh, last uh, last night was my wife's birthday. So and we did we did escape. So that was it was great. Was able to other otherwise you would not be here. I would not be here. I'd still be locked up in yeah. Uh, and and, and uh, in the shop there but, was a room uh, but I, yeah I, there was a room i very much wanted to escape if i sound funny today uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's because uh my face is still numb from getting a filling actually it was a repaired filling where the tooth had cracked mm. and bacteria had managed to sneak in underneath the filling so they had Ooh. to drill out even underneath that and all that kind of stuff so I've actually already wiped away a little bit of slobber from the corner of my mouth in this episode. <laughs> Make sure you keep that mic separate from mine. Yeah. <laughs> so if if things sound funny or if I'm not all that talkative, there's why. <laughs> so let's and occasionally you're gonna hear him. <laughs> <laughs> so uh our main topic today in our inquisition post mike springstead uh asked a question he says in a congregation that amplifies expository preaching especially as we at resurrection do uh he says is a two to three month verse by verse sermon series through the beatitudes in matthew 5 really just a cheat to sneak in some topical preaching for a change and i thought well that's funny that you asked that because we just got done spending a month in Luke 11 verses one to 13 with Jesus teaching his disciples how to pray. And it's, it really was kind of like a topical mini series mm-hmm. in the midst of uh, how long have we been in Luke, like a year and a half, something like that. Not it's quite been, a year, it's been a not minute. quite a year. And a half. Okay. Okay. Uh, over a year, uh, either way. Um, so we've, we've been trucking along and then taking breaks for Advent and mm-hmm. Easter and stuff like that. And we got to Luke 11 and it was basically like, no, we need to camp out here a minute. Mm-hmm. Um, so Bradley walk us through your thought process. Uh, and then John also chime in while I grab a handkerchief or something. <laughs> You mean the thought process of why we kind of camped in Luke 11 yes. for a little bit? Yes. Well, it it wasn't intended. Um, I remember the 
the first week we got to Luke 11, my intention was to teach through the first 13 verses where Jesus' disciples ask him to teach them to pray like he prays. Uh, Jesus tells a parable, and then he gives you know, just some promises and instructions that are very familiar to us. Ask, seek, knock. It will be opened. Uh, it will be given. And um, if you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and <clears throat> I just remember the, the, the sermon prep that first week. I'm, I'm like, there's so much here. Hmm. So much here um, as I'm expositing, as I'm working through this text, I just thought to myself, I, I don't, this is going to be a really long sermon and I'm not sure I'm still going to get to it. And, and I had the thought, I had the thought, why do I feel like I have to do all 13 verses this week? Right. And so I just decided, all right, we're going to, I think I got through the first three verses the first week um and then i had a meeting with the elders and they were like no that was good don't don't feel rushed and so we did another week and then it was like you know what there's still more i didn't get to so we did another week and then then we did a q a week uh on that text mm -hmm. which was really good and then this past week i just felt like we the elders felt like we just still weren't done talking about prayer and so i actually went to acts four and looked at the the prayer of the believers after Peter and John were threatened. Mm -hmm. And so I think expository teaching can and should have that kind of flexibility um, where if you, if you get to a certain passage and it just, th this to me, again, I, I know the topic is not video versus in-person preaching, right? But when you are doing live teaching and you're in tune with the congregation um, you do have the ability to sense, you know what, this is good for our church to slow down right here. Uh, we don't always do that, but being able to be flexible in that way, if the Lord is really trying to say something or grow us in, in this case, uh, in the, um, in the spiritual discipline of prayer, why wouldn't you pause? And, you know? and that would particularly apply in person with the Q and A session that we did absolutely, uh, where you can look someone in the eye and see they really are struggling with this particular thing or situation or what have you, which which is, which is leading to this question, and you know these people's backstories. I do, and the Q and A, hearing the questions that were asked, was yet another confirmation that we just needed to spend at least one more week talking about prayer. Um, and and I've said to the church. I, this is not a even 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 if you're trucking through a book of the Bible. This is not check the box and move on to the next thing. Right. We're 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 trying to we're trying to be sensitive to what the Lord wants us to do, and and so I I think you can be fully committed to expository preaching and also be flexible. Uh, right. It's it's not like. It's not like scripture is devoid of of topics, right? I mean, exactly. it, it's it, it's it's not fair to say that focusing on uh, on a topic or an aspect of uh, of the Christian life, such as prayer or suffering or something like that, uh, means that 
the way in which you're teaching is not expository, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you you focus on on your main on your main piece, but it's it would be irresponsible not to do that from an exegetical perspective, where you bring in uh, other references uh, and uh, you know scripture interpreting scripture and scripture uh, confirming scripture, so on and so forth. Um, I mean, now obviously there's a flip side to this with uh you know myself coming from a church that arguably does more topical uh or 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 what i would consider to be too much for my taste certainly um and and does it in a sense of hey we're gonna we're not going to necessarily base it off of off of this you know we're not going to walk through this this book or this chapter uh we're gonna we're gonna take a look at this topic and then kind of exegetically grab everything from the whole council of scripture uh, mm. that discusses that. But you you do lose some of the beauty in the context. Yes, uh, mm-hmm. you know as as part of that, and you know so it, it's certainly a it's certainly a line to to responsibly walk. But I, I don't think that, you know, be it the Beatitudes or, or prayer or what have you, that, that focusing on, on a topic, so to speak, that Jesus focused on is, is improper, right? Uh, I mean, of course, we, we don't know. Uh, how how the be, this beatitude sermon <laughs> was, uh, you know sermon series quote quote was uh, was executed you know if it's uh, if you spend three weeks on being meek you know I mean I <laughs> I, I don't know um, but I, maybe, I don't maybe I, they maybe they have a whole lot of proud people in that church maybe they you know maybe they do like I just don't think that it's it's necessarily right of us to say um, if you you know, jump outside of your planned, uh, planned kind of, you know, book, chapter, verse format to grab something else to kind of focus in on a topic. I don't think it, uh, uh, you know, I don't think it's right to, you know, write that off, right? I think it's valuable. I think it depends on how they do it too. Sure. Like, you, you take a beatitude like blessed are the meek or blessed are the poor in spirit. And if you're going to talk about humility um, or blessed are you when you're persecuted for my name's sake um, and, and you want to talk about persecution, you want to talk about those kinds of things, you can still do that exegetically. I mean, if you, right. if you go to a passage, if you, if you launch from that beatitude and then go to another text that speaks about the same thing and you exegete that text and you do that sort of thing over the course of two or three months, I'm great with that. Mm-hmm. That may not necessarily be my preference or my style, but but I'm great with that. To me, the key is, are those who are teaching, reading, and interpreting Scripture well? Uh, sometimes I think teachers make <clears throat> good points from the wrong texts, uh, and that, I think, is a detriment. <clears throat> because it doesn't but I think the goal of teaching is twofold. One, it's to help people that you're teaching see and understand what's in the text you're teaching. The other goal of 
exegetical teaching is to help people learn how to read the scriptures well for themselves. And if you make good points from the wrong text or you just launch from one sentence in scripture and go off on, you know, just some sort of riff about that particular topic, I don't think we're teaching people to read scripture well. Yeah. And it's funny you mentioned the, you know, using a main text to jump off and exegete something else. That's actually what we're doing in our small group right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we had a question about spiritual gifts and that kind of thing, and it basically turned into a topical study on the person of the Holy Spirit, and now mm. we're getting to the gifts. Mm. So, this first chunk that we're using is the list in Romans 12, mm-hmm. you know, and, and it's really helpful because it's as in one body, we have many members, and the members don't all have the same function, right? Mm-hmm. So, we're functioning as a body. This is all supposed to help the body. And then the first week was having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Let us use them if prophecy in proportion to our faith Mm. with the understanding that earlier in that chunk, that faith has been assigned to you in the first place. Uh, So what does that mean? What does prophecy mean? You know, you got to define your terms carefully with with a lot of these things. Right. And I mean, well, and and to be honest, I mean, that's a that's a big part of exegesis. uh, Yeah in general is is the defining of terms or the uh, you know getting that that uh that common starting place from from which to from which to explore uh explore scripture yeah exactly and and then we used that to jump off into it was first or second peter uh that no one churns up <laughs> no one conjures up prophecy on its own mm. it's as men are carried along by the holy spirit yep right so it's it's all from god regardless of how you define it uh and you don't make it up as you go along kind of thing and since it's all being members of a body not everyone has that gift <laughs> right Un- mm. unlike what some people would like <clears throat> like us to believe i mean there, and and really from from the the pastoral side of things there there is uh there is a difference on or or that that depends on kind of the starting point if your starting point is the text and a topic is revealed through the text and you decide to go down that rabbit you know that rabbit hole well great yeah but if you're just sitting in your office and like, hmm, I want to preach on meh, you know, jeez, uh, I don't know, uh, giving, you know, that's a big one, right? Uh, giving or end times or uh, theodicy or just, you know, just pick something. Then what you're what you're setting yourself up for is you've then set a goal that that you want to reach, and then through your research and your study to prepare for the message or the series, you inadvertently end up kind of picking and choosing, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Rather, rather than having the word guide your study, yeah. which I think we would all agree is probably the, the preferred method. Now, does that mean that starting with uh, a topic necessarily leads to poor teaching? Absolutely not. But I think it's uh I think the, the slope is a bit slippier and slippy 
Slippy or you just inventing <laughs> words no, the last couple of weeks. <laughs> slippy. It's slippy. More slippy. It's 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 more well lubricated. Goodness gracious. I just can't. <laughs> That's great. Wow. Oh, John the wordsmith. But you know yep. what you're what what you're talking about, John, I think is is absolutely the issue. Is and 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 I think if you're going to pick a topic and then go to scripture. I think that's if you're going to be faithful to the scripture and exegetically teach on a topic, it's hard work to go that way. It's yeah. harder work. I think for I mean, me, you've it, already you've already put on your lenses. Exactly. I mean, and you and you really like, have to work hard to not, um, you know, find text and make them say, make them support what you're trying to say versus right. what you're talking about, John, which is finding your points, finding the emphases in the scripture, letting it give yeah. rise to what, how you're going to unpack that topic. Absolutely. I mean, it's, it really, it almost ties back to the historical two, uh, two schools of biblical interpretation, um, Alexandrian and, and Antiochian, you know, one is standing beneath the scripture uh, and receiving from it. One is standing above it and kind of pulling out of it. And, and that's the same sort of danger uh, that we see with uh sermon series that are based heavily on allegory or illustration uh you know obviously something that that i've seen multiple times that i have my own opinions and feelings about uh but when you have a series that i mean let's pick in the room the the at the movies right uh if you if you start there and then if, if this is a regular thing you do then just from a planning perspective, it's easier to plan and say, okay, this is kids' movies, this is superhero movies, this is blah, 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 you know, whatever. Uh, that becomes your starting point. And then, mm-hmm. you, you ha- I mean, you're forced to pick and choose through Scripture mm-hmm. what is going to fit into this mold or into this, this rubric that has nothing to do with Scripture. Yeah, like, you know what? What? What pieces of the text can I pull out? Hopefully, in context and faithful to the scriptures, that this children's movie or Pixar movie or whatever would be able to illustrate for me. It's this weird cart. I mean, it's not even a cart and horse sort of thing. I mean, it's like you're putting the reins in front of the horse. Like it just it doesn't make you're allowing the the horse to drive you rather than the other way around and it's now the the difference there is if you're working through a, a portion of the text or or even a topic and in your head you're like well geez this is almost like that scene from that movie well I'll just use that as an illustration that'll be cool yeah yeah I mean how many of your pastors tell a story to you know, kind of to bring in and to make that personal connection. That I mean, that's that's homiletics one hundred and one. And yeah, and and, yeah. and you know what? What we don't want anybody to hear is that any kind of systematic study is bad, right? right. That's that's not what we're saying. We're just saying right. the, the overarching pattern for teaching on a Sunday morning, right? Um, the safest and 
honestly most efficient way a lot of times is to just plug right on through right well i I just want to say to the listeners because I, i run into this all the time with people that have come to res and you know just grown to love so much um expository teaching through books of the bible and appreciation for handling the scriptures well they move to another city or state and they can't find a church mm-hmm. that does that mm-hmm. says okay we're teaching through the gospel of luke um this is what i would encourage people you know don't get too hung up on topical versus uh expository are they are they going verse by verse or are they going chapter by chapter are they just doing topics and I, I wouldn't here's what i would look for primarily is avoid teaching that includes a lot of allegorization of scripture principalization mm-hmm. uh, allegorization of narratives principalization of narratives and isolating verses particularly from paul from the larger context like if <laughs> right. you see those three things <laughs> going yeah. on yeah it, you see those three things going on a lot that's a red flag to me like i got a mm-hmm. i got a text from a guy who used to go here at res uh and moved to another state and he texted me and asked me what i thought about christine kane he'd been listening to christine kane and mm-hmm. um and so I sent him a few thoughts, and then he said, that makes perfect sense. I listened to this sermon that she was doing on the story about uh, Israel and the walls of Jericho. And he said, it just felt a little weird to me that she started talking about the walls in our lives and mm. blah, blah, blah. And I was yeah. like, that, that's a huge red flag. Because if you st- and this is what I texted him. If you step back from that for just a minute, it's pretty easy to see how ridiculous that is. Do we really think that the God of heaven and earth led the nation of Israel into Jericho, destroyed that city and its city walls so that we would turn it into a metaphor for first world problems? Right. <laughs> like literally, yeah. that's, that's how you want to, that, that's what you want to conclude the master of the universe wanted <laughs> and intended for us to, to, to glean from that event in in Israel's mm-hmm. history. That's just ludicrous. You know, I, I heard recently it, it said, <laughs> and, and it is somewhat tongue in cheek is that often commentaries written by theological liberals are more reliable because they'll say, Oh, the Bible says Jonah sat in the belly of a fish for three days. Isn't that ridiculous? But they'll say, yes, Jonah sat in the belly of a fish for three days. Mm-hmm. That's what it says. Mm-hmm. Period. Mm-hmm. Whereas conservative theologians sometimes get embarrassed by those things and they want to make excuses for it. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Right. Yeah. And, and they try to dance around. And you see that with Jericho or David and Goliath, mm-hmm. Q, Matt Chandler's, you're not David mm-hmm. reference, mm-hmm. Uh, or anything like that, where, you know, even, even the liberals see, yes, this is a story making a point, pointing somewhere else. They might not believe that. But they at least get that. They they acknowledge it, sure. I mean, like it's so many sermons, and I and I, I don't think you know denomination or flavor really has any has any uh, uh, influence here. But it, everything's almost 
like a children's book in the sense where uh, the children's book tells you a story in order to uh, kind of incite change in your kids, right? Uh, like no good, very bad day or Sophie's mm-hmm. angry or, uh, you know, llama llama in the bully goat, you know, so on and so forth is like, I'm not familiar hey, with that one, but it sounds interesting. You know, look at this, look at this story. Isn't that just like what happens to you? Mm-hmm. And that's not what scripture is. And of course, of course we, we know that, but so many people don't. They don't. And so when they teach, they're wanting to, I mean, it, it may, may, may very well come from a, a quote, good place, you know, wanting to uh, inspire change and, and, you know, kind of positive improvement in the lives of their congregation. And I, I think that as, as a kind of virtue by itself isn't terrible, uh, but the method by which they do it by using scripture as a self-help text Mm-hmm. Uh, is it, you know is vastly uh, inappropriate. Uh, I had a really great thought while you all were talking, and I lost it. I just wanted to let you know that that I was really smart there for a second. But I, judging by the way I've been talking this morning, I don't think that I would have been able to articulate it. But well, you can't articulate oh, things. That's what I it can't was. feel my face. Like fair. That's what it was. You know, thinking about kind of we'll call it long form expository preaching. It's that's something really difficult to find in kind of Lutheran circles, not, not from a theological perspective or or at least uh, that being the reason, but traditionally. So growing up and, and and throughout uh, a a large uh, portion of the history of the church, uh, the lectionary was used, and, and still is in in many congregations, as as a tool that spans either over one year or three years uh, to expose a congregation to the full counsel of God. Right, the full the full character is the full character and actions of God throughout uh, throughout Scripture. And what that usually amounts to is is assigned readings for Sundays, uh, where you have a, a gospel epistle and an Old Testament reading, and it, how that plays out in real world is is usually the pastor will choose one of those texts to preach on. If they're really good, they'll bring them all together. Uh, but they do occasionally line up with, uh, probably more often than not, with certain uh, important dates in the church year. You know, being that the kind of the liturgical calendar is near and dear to the the Lutheran's heart. Uh, but the the kind of the long form expository pre- uh, preaching piece has has never really been a part of Lutheran tradition, and and I think it should be. Uh, I mean, I I know there's those out there who do it. I mean, shoot, we we even do it, uh, not as often as I'd like, but we we do. But so many churches that are attached to kind of the traditional ways of of uh, kind of Sunday morning service planning uh, are just doing this 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 lectionary, which has its benefits. Uh, but what you end up getting. And I'm not saying this is better or worse, but you end up getting the intended picture of the full counsel of God, 
but not necessarily in an exhaustive context because there's uh, and there's value in that too. Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh, yeah. I think that's a good point, John. And I think, you know, dare we say this is a bit nuanced in, in how, how it might flesh out. Is, is that allowed? I, I don't know. I might, might be. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, I'll say one thing about myself. Um, when, when I made the switch to expository teaching, specifically teaching through books of the Bible about eight or nine years ago, um, I went from, well, I'll say it this way. I was able to dispossess myself of the pressure, the false pressure to stand up and portray myself as an expert or a guru. Mm-hmm. And I've said this, I've said this to Rez many times that I thought I had to be that. Sure. And that the Bible was really supplementary material for me to stand up and tell people things that were going to be really helpful for them. Um, as opposed to now, I, I truly feel this way. I feel like a tour guide. I, I feel like I am, my job is to stand up and take people on a tour through a text. And whether we're in the middle of a uh, topical series, which we rarely do, or we're teaching through a book of the Bible, that's how I feel. I, uh, you know, Another metaphor might be, I feel like a waiter. I didn't cook the meal, prepare the meal, design the recipe, but I get to show up at the table and tell them what it's like because I've tasted it, I've tried it, and here's what Chef, this is so cheesy, Chef Jesus, or Chef, Chef Holy Spirit has prepared for us. Uh, yeah, that's so cheesy. You might even want to delete that. But anyway, no, <laughs> nope. we got to leave that in now. But it, it's, it, I, 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 I'm sorry how, for how cheesy that is, but that's how I feel. I feel like I'm a tour guide. I'm, I feel like I'm standing up in front of people and going, look, yeah. look, do you see? See for yourself. This is good. This is what the word of the living God is saying to us. And I think that's a big I difference. Mean, I like the tour guide metaphor because just because you're a tour guide or or someone's a tour guide doesn't mean that they know everything about everything in in this town, right? right? But they know how to get around. They know the customs. They know the language, mm-hmm. right? And the... Uh, kind of the idiosyncrasies of of how that language works uh i mean you may not know everything that is being referred to in a psalm but you know uh hebraic poetry mm, and right. how that works yep, yep. you know yep. like you, you you're essentially i i really like the tour guide metaphor because you have an advantage on the congregation, but it's an advantage for their benefit yes. to be able to take them where they need to go. Because you already have the map, right? You already have the tour planned out. Right. And walking through with them using your knowledge of the, you know, diving into the metaphor here, local customs and the local language and so on and so forth, uh, to turn on the lights for the congregation so to speak. Yeah. Same yeah. stuff. It's good. Inquisition? Sure. Let's do it.
And this is the Inquisition, where you ask us questions, we answer them on the fly. You submit those questions via a weekly post in the Westminster Effects Doxology Podcast Lounge. And before I start slobbering on myself even more, as is tradition, we start with Brian Morris, who asks, if you were to get a signature or custom instrument, what are your must-have luxury features? And I guess this could be anything. Guitar, piano, bass, Mm. drums, what have you. I mean... I, I have what I consider to be my, my end game instrument. So uh, I'll just I'll just look over at my American Ultra Telecaster and let's see, noiseless pickups, compound radius, locking tuners, belly cut because I'm fat. <laughs> strap locks. A nice hard shell case that I will insist upon having and being included in the purchase, but will never use because it's too bulky. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, locking tuners, compound radius. Uh, definitely. Are you good? Good with the fret compound work? radius, Bradley. I have no idea. Good, yeah, like so good fret work. Yeah. Like, so, so a compound it, radius. You know, a fretboard is curved, right? So. Fender uses more of a vintage. It's a tighter curve, right? Um, so, but then with more metal guitars that are meant to play fast lead stuff, they're flatter. So what a compound radius does is it's rounder toward the low end of the neck for mm-hmm. e- easier rhythm stuff. And then it flattens out as you get more up the fretboard. That makes sense. Yeah. So I think I think my nerdy... Uh, thing that I would have to have would be, and I actually just did this on my agile Les Paul style is Ugh. switches for, uh, like I would have two humbuckers with a switch for, uh, coil tapping and then putting the humbucker in parallel mm. instead of just series. So you get gobs and gobs of flexibility. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. Yourself, Bradley? <laughs> Two single coils in a dream for me. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm a colossal disappointment when it comes to these kind of questions. I, I could tell you that when I was playing a lot, my favorite piano to get on was a Yamaha Baby Grand mm. uh, because they had this, like, you, you know how I play. And, I do. And a Yamaha accentuates how I play. It's, <laughs> it's like every note slaps you in the face. It's so big and powerful and bright and i love that um Mm. it doesn't work in every style of music uh but back when i was really playing so much of worship music was driven by the piano not by the guitars right Right. now it's the opposite so next question is the time to worship and such (laughs) yes uh from charlie brown which theological and political podcast do you listen to or recommend frequently? And he says, besides Corey Truax, because that's kind of a given from us at this point. Uh, <laughs> so yes, listen to the Corey Truax show. I mean, are you really a Christian if you don't start your day by listening to the I, briefing with Al Mohler? I, mean, that might I hope be the, so, because I don't. <laughs> I, I, start, the I start the day trying I, to get my kids out the door for school. Yeah. You know. That might be the only other one I listen to. Really? With that, you know, kind of blends the two. Yeah. Uh, I do listen to the Ezra Institute podcast for cultural reformation, uh, which is put on by Joe Boot uh, up in Canada. 
Mm. And they do a really good job. So there's yeah, that. I mean, full disclosure is like I I've listened to podcast regularly, but I don't really anymore. Um when when we were looking to kind of revamp and go to the next level on production of, of this show, uh I kind of ran the gamut just to see like what people were doing from a style and transition, you know, perspective. And that's why we have like bumper music and and things like that, um, you know, kind of a, a predictable format and so on and so forth. Uh, but I, you know, I check news on on Drudge Report. Um, I have my Alexa go through NPR every morning because that's what's default. That's what Amazon wants me to hear. So I just listen to it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and on my way back from dropping the kids off at school. But that's that's really it. I mean, other podcasts that that I used to listen to had nothing to do with with news or uh, uh, or church life or, or theology at all. Like uh, Kibbe and Friends uh, is a, a automotive podcast that uh, was Jeff Kibbe, a uh, uh, Mopar enthusiast and then Mike Finnegan from the the Motor Trend Network. Uh, I used to listen to that all the time, and and I just don't anymore. Uh, so yeah, I don't have I don't have much guidance there. I will say, in terms of theology and blending something else, in the bullpen by Mark Dewey, and we've had mm. him on the mm-hmm. on the show before, where he blends baseball and Christian worldview, uh, where you know you you don't often hear people say. Well, I think baseball should do this because of this specific biblical principle. Hmm. Uh, even even to the point of saying he wasn't for checking pitchers for sticky stuff all the time, just willy nilly, uh, because the scriptural principle is an accusation with witnesses needs to be brought first. Hmm. Stuff like that, hmm. and and you know, as as he so wonderfully answered his the uh, Bradley's question about is it ever okay to throw at a guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was like brilliant that. <clears throat> yeah well uh i got a couple more questions but i'm tired of talking and trying to not slobber on myself but i do gradually feel my face returning to normal <laughs> at this point thank god uh, thank god that novocaine doesn't last forever or all day yeah, because fair. i would have been miserable all day instead of just for a couple hours <laughs> so <laughs> fellas thanks for joining me And to you listeners, thanks for listening. Go love God, love your neighbor, and make some music. We'll see you next week.